Hey everyone, I uh, wanted to record a separate intro and say hello to you all. It's been a while since I've put out an interview on the audio stream. So first of all, if you're still listening, um, thanks for sticking around. I know it's been a, quite a few months since I put a audio interview out. As a heads up, I'll be putting out all the live stream interviews I've done on my channel. So you all can expect that to roll out. If you watch them, uh, you can just skip that. I'll, I'll add a disclaimer somewhere in the audio as well as in the title but those will start go out uh, starting next week i decided not to publish them at first on the audio stream just because it was video and i was there was a bit of screen sharing but i think it's all right uh, i've been listening to a lot of podcasts that do that and i think it's okay um i do plan to continue putting interviews out uh, not as consistently not definitely not as consistently as two per week i have been live streaming now and if you didn't know there's a youtube channel by the exact same name as chai time data science where i've been live streaming top kaggle solutions so you're welcome to subscribe to that we do study groups basically where we meet every week by we i mean me and the community and i just go about my stupid pace of learning I care a lot about putting out interviews where I don't ask the same questions and try to bring some value as you all might expect. So for that reason, I've slowed down on interviews and tried to figure out ways the next value for Kaggle's, which I decided would be summarizing top Kaggle solutions. I'm sure there are better ways. I've been live streaming that for a while. There are a few videos about that and I do plan to continue that series. As for interviews, I do try to bring winners on whenever I can and I do try to share their journey here and there. Um, starting next year, you can expect those to be published on the audio stream as well. So if you're still subscribed, well, thanks and um, you'll keep hearing from me, fortunately or unfortunately. Now, here's the interview with Emmerd. Uh, I really wanted to interview him and I knew he'd be a Kaggle GM this year. So I'm excited for you all to also hear about his journey and uh, I'm sure you'll learn as much as I did. Awesome. Uh, hey everyone, I've, I've not done a podcast interview for a while. Like I do live streams, I'm not sure if many of you know, but this is also going out in audio, which I haven't done in six months. And I was waiting for a special occasion or a really special guest. But uh, I, I've known Emmerd for a while now and I last time I interviewed him in a live stream along with Crowdoc, I told him I'd love to have him again. And I was sure at that time that he'd become a grandmaster. Uh, sometime this year. So when he did, I was really happy and I asked him, hey, can I convince you for another interview? I, I assume you have better things to do, but like if, if you have the time, that'd be awesome. So I un managed to convince one of the latest and the best in NLP uh, competitions grandmaster to join the podcast. And I'm excited to share his journey and ask about his journey uh, during this interview. I mean, thanks. Thanks for saying yes for the second time. Thank you for having me, Sanya. It's always a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to ask more about your journey. So last time, uh, Crowdog asked this question to me, but I'll ask the same to you. How, how did it feel when you like finally? So I, I was like in the, I don't consider it a real category discussion, but you've like done the hardest thing on Kaggle. How, how does it feel to have that golden circle? Yeah, I think at the beginning, I was surprised actually when I got the, the goal, the last goal and I'm Kaggle competition grandmaster. I... I didn't really 
uh, feel like I'm a grandmaster, like the first days. And I was like, Crodoc was always sending me messages. And it was say, Ahmed, you are a Kaggle competition grandmaster. And I was like, what? I'm a Kaggle competition grandmaster? It took me actually, I think, maybe two or four days to realize that I'm finally a Kaggle competition grandmaster, you know. And I was really, really, really happy, you know, because I was seeing everybody sharing on on internet, on Twitter, like guys like you, Andrada, and and over Kaggle competition grandmaster, sharing that Ahmed became a Kaggle grandmaster. So at the beginning, I was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> and then it took me a couple of days to realize that finally I'm a Kaggle competition grandmaster. Yeah. So I was really, really happy. You were one of the fastest. Uh, to this category no so uh, how how was the journey like looking back on it like i'm sure you sacrificed a lot of time crodoc and even chris spoke very highly of you you like very smart with your approaches but looking back like how how was the journey for you i think now it took me like 4 years uh, to become a kaggle competition grandmaster but i feel like at the beginning i wasn't really like uh, focused on competing i i always start the competition and try to have fun at the beginning and then leave the competition give up early and come up come back <laughs> in the end and just submit ca- uh, cur- public journals and and that was it but actually it took me like this year i feel like when i teamed up with uh, crodoc actually it all started there when i teamed up with crodoc like you feel like you you should do something because you teamed up with someone we can you cannot just start the competition and then give up and then come back in the end because like the over guy there they are going to work so so you should work then you you should stay then and you should work on it and and you have to to take to have discipline for it and that's where i think like i really started to focus on it and to work hard on it and and then it took me like we won three gold medals in like 8 months something like that so i i guess if i was like more focused and teamed up with uh, people before maybe it it maybe i would have been able to achieve it like years ago but i definitely it, it required like a lot of work i guess every people that that reach like the kaggle competition top uh, 50 like they sacrifice something like in during the competition I I personally don't recommend like if you have like a family for example you can't like sacrifice so much time for for to Kaggle you know and it's passionate you 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 become addicted to it you feel like even if sometimes I'm I'm sleeping for example in, in this competition <laughs> I'm sleeping I I wake up I see mm, this idea makes sense I should try that I should try that and I will uh, watch at my I will look I will look at uh, my watch to see the time actually should I wake up now to to implement this idea and and I feel like this should work and yeah it's it's really addictive you know it, it's passionate yeah initially I felt you were describing my approach where I join a competition and at the end of it I just blend some notebooks and like then face a shake up <laughs> but <laughs> but um you 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 shared your passion and like specifically for the competition we'll discuss let's say you also tried mlm approach which print book for feedback 3 and i assume there like many such ideas you get which don't work does the does the passion fade away for you at any point like for me i give up i feel i give up really fast because like i try something it doesn't work i'm like okay i have no idea what's going on yeah for me it was the case like one or two years ago 
one or two years ago when I started, I I implement something and if it doesn't work, I feel like, okay, I'm going to give up. I'm going to go. This is hard because I think that like this idea is really smart. This should work. And if it, it doesn't work, I feel like, no, it doesn't make sense. So I give up. But now I feel like that's normal. If I implement something and it's work, I say, oh, it's work. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's normal that it doesn't work. You know, if it was like that simple for everyone, I think that everyone could reach like the top three in Kaigo leaderboard. So, so you have to experiment a lot of things. For example, in feedback tree, I guess I, I experiment more than 600 and things and, and only few of them works actually. And the one that works are not like the, the smartest one. The, the one that works finally are like basic things for, for me, you know. I, I tried like different different complicated things and in the end they didn't work out. So sometimes it's like I feel now I feel like when I start the competition, it's it's normal to fail. You know, it's normal to try like hundred things and only three or five of them will work out, you know. And yeah, so now I, I don't give up like when I started an idea and I and I experimented and I implemented and and then it doesn't work. I, I feel like okay, I should try another thing then. I should improve that. You know, that's that's actually that's my feeling. And I feel and I feel like this is why maybe in the last competition I managed to, to do well because I feel like even if I try something, it doesn't work, it doesn't like it, it it's not important. Just keep trying then, just keep trying new things and and that's that's how it works here. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's great advice and thanks thanks for sharing your journey. But um so like what's what's your advice to someone like me who's who gets frustrated fast or who like tends to give up because i i, I understand many kaglers starting out are in a similar position like how did you over overcome that feeling that it gets overwhelming or you get frustrated maybe maybe you didn't i i get frustrated and i get overwhelmed yeah i think it's the case actually for everyone but what can give you like um, a feeling that it's possible when you look at the little board, you see people like in top of the little board, you, you say that, no, there is something that I need to find. And these guys, they, they figure out this thing and I need to figure out this thing. Even if you tried something, try to, to say, okay. And, and what another thing I, that I feel like it's really important is like teaming up with other people. That will like uh, motivate you to to stay in the competition till the end. Because if you are competing in your own, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult because you try and you try an idea and it doesn't work. You feel like oh, I should abandon. I should like do over stuff or I should switch to over competition because this one is hard. And and I think teaming up like uh, force you to stay in the competition because like you have your team member that are working hard on it and they, you can discuss with them new ideas and they can like, if sometimes you are like, you feel like sad and anything is working for you, that maybe for them, like they're going to figure out something that could help the team. And that was the case, for example, in the last competition where I team up with Chris Deot and, and Crowdot. I think teaming up definitely is, is a good way to, to learn and to stay uh, until the end of the competition, actually. You've teamed up with many people repeatedly. Uh, I'll I'll put you in trouble by asking who's your who's your favorite teammate if you have to select one. <laughs> That's a hard question. I mean, I learn from a lot of people from all the my teammates. I I learn a lot from them. And but if I have to keep uh, one person, I I don't think it's I I, I 
I mean, it, it's a hard question. <laughs> it's a hard question. I learned a lot from all of them. I, it's been amazing team up with someone like Chris Deot. You know, he, he shared a lot and he, he showed you actually how he work on competition and how he try ideas. And then you, you, you learn from them, you know. Crodoc as well. I learned a lot from Crodoc. And also I learned a lot from Kekular. Kekular is someone that is Kaggle competition grandmaster. But this guy... I mean, I learned a lot from him also, you know. So I learned a lot from all my teammates. Like, I, I think it's hard to, to, to select one, just one of them. <laughs> sorry, sorry to put you on the spot. Um, but yeah, so, so is, are you following a strategy when teaming up? Do you like look for people who've had like a more diverse background or something like that? Or is it like just based on passion? Uh, at, for example, in the last competition, yeah, Kikiro, this guy is, is awesome. He shared a lot. You could see like he has like eight um, goals in 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 notebook and and fifty one in discussion. And if you see what he shared, sometimes he shared a lot, and then I think that's why he didn't finish in top. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I actually forget the question. <laughs> so, so, sorry to uh, sidetrack. But my question was like your teaming up strategy. Is it like strategic or is it passion based? Uh, in the last competition, for example, when I was with Crodoc and we were like in top, we were like maybe top 10, something like that. And then we feel like, okay, now we need someone else with more experience so we could learn something. We could, this one was like just finding someone that has more experience or different experience, different background from ours. And then we could like merge with him and learn new things, you know. And that was the case finally when we teamed up with uh, Chris Deot. And he completely brings something that's completely different from what we, are, we were doing. He brings like ideas like how to ensemble model. And I didn't know much about, for example, method like hill climbing and he came up with this method and he tried it and then he boosts our cv scores and and then you learn this and then maybe i'm gonna use that in in my next competition so so in this one the strategy was like find someone that has different background that could bring us like we from whom we can learn like something basically that was the idea in this competition I'll share my screen to point out hill climbing. I, I think this is the first time, sorry, this was discussed. Um, but uh, Sai and Chris were discussing that hill climbing is basically adding models until you saturate the score, uh, I believe. And this was like two years ago. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't saw that then. <laughs> And I, I, I only learned it because I didn't participate in this uh, computer vision competition. I only learned it like here with Chris Deot in this competition. But he was talking about it two years ago. So. I only know how to say it. I've never implemented So <laughs> I'm, I'm worse Actually, in that it, way. It's it's interesting idea. And the first time when Chris Deot implemented, I was like, are you sure this method is not overfitting on our CV? Because it boosts our CV. And I was like, when I when I assembled model, I didn't have like this CV score with, with them. And when Chris implemented this, I felt like, wow, this is magic. And 
are you sure that this is not overfitting to our CV? And he said, no, when he submitted. But it, it was also hard in this competition because like CV and leaderboard was not like correlated. So even if something improves CV, you are not sure that it, it will improve like your leaderboard score. And then it was hard for us to make choice to to trust one actually. And then in the final, we, we trust like hill climbing and it's, it was magic for us. Yeah, I think even Philip, uh, so he finished fifth in this competition. Even he had used uh, hill climbing, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and here, what he did as well is like with hill climbing, usually you only use positive weight, like for when you are assembling model, you only use positive weight. And what Chris tried in this competition, he tried like with negative weight, and, hmm. and that really boosts our CV score. And I was like, are you sure negative weight did you did you try it once <laughs> and you say and i never tried but it's it's really working and then in final it was if we only tried like a positive weight i think we we couldn't finish in the top three like mm -hmm. negative weight really make the difference for us yeah so uh for for the audience by negative weights it means you're ensembling csv predictions of all these models and there you give negative weightage to some examples right yeah, it's basically like a linear regression when you have like a target and you're trying to model this target with some features. Your linear regression question, they can they could basically be positive or negative, you know. So it's basically like a linear regression. So there is no what there is no actually it won't overfit because it's like simple regression. You are just uh, making average of your model, but some model will get like negative weight and some over will get like positive weight. Okay, uh, that that makes sense. I, yeah. I I remember this was when I was competing before my break to start chai time, but uh, so I relate to your struggle because my team we also in the malware competition we use negative weight ensemble, and we had no clue what was happening. So that gave us a nice LB boost, and we called it blackmagic.csv because like <laughs> we had no clue why this is working. Yeah, and also uh, what what we tried uh, when when we we saw that the negative weight like is is really improving the CV. What we try is like we only ensemble like we have five fold, five cross validation fold, and then we only say okay, we're gonna try that on our CV to see if this negative weight are overfitting or not. So then we fix like the the four the first four fold, then we we get the question on those four fold. And then we apply it to the last fold to see if it's overfitting or not. And then when we see that, we saw, oh, now this is not overfitting because when we we try it on our CV, it's like it's ha it's having the same behavior. So, so mm -hmm. we we finally trust it because uh, on our CV it was really good. Yeah, makes sense. Thanks, thanks for clarifying that. So uh, I, I'll come back to the competition later. But continuing with your journey, again, I interviewed Emerd and Crowdoc a while ago, so you can find that link in the description. And this is continuing after that. So uh, we, we spoke about how you got started in programming and data science, but I want to focus on your Kaggle journey. From what I understood in the activity, 2020 was the year when you got really active, right? You got, I think, two golds and two silvers in, in a very short span in that year. Yeah. And that's your, I, I believe it's, it started uh, when I teamed up with um, Theo. It, mm -hmm. He was like a Kaggle competition grandmaster. Yeah, in this competition, Colonel, Colonel Bird identification. 
So it was computer vision. You have songs and you have to predict which um, birds are cool, are singing in the in the audio. And and this competition definitely I learned a lot from guys like Theo. And when we teamed up, like I feel like this guy is trying different team. He's, he's never giving up. Even if it's not working, he's still working on it. So I feel like maybe that's the way to, to do it because this guy is competition grandmaster and this is how he's working. And I mm. and I wasn't working like that before. I was like, I try an idea and it, when it's fail, I give up and I, for, I forget about the competition. And then I came in the end and assembled some public kernels and submitted and that and that's it. But when I see that, I feel like, okay, if you want it to do well, then you have to, to try a lot of things. You you don't have to give up. Even if it's not working, try different ideas. And yeah, I think, I believe that's where it all started for me. Yeah. And I, I looked at the time. So uh, the, the very fascinating thing for me was these two competitions overlapped. The one where you got your solo gold and where you also got the other golden cornel. So there was a few months of overlap. How did yeah. you manage that? Because these are different competitions, right? The other one is uh, lung function decline prediction. And this is like audio. So audio versus images, I think. Yeah. And the, the one when I get, where I get the solo gold is like the data. They were not like your data. It was like small data. So you could experiment really fast. You know, you could experiment 10 things or 100 things like a day because the data is small. If you have good computer, then you can set up set your experiment and, and experiment a lot of things. So so I, I think that's that's why maybe I, I managed to, to do both like in, in quite uh, a time. And in this competition, actually, what was fun is like, since the data is small, you have to figure out something to be able that you were that your model could generalize you could like find another data and maybe trying some data augmentation or something like that and that was what enabled me to to finish in gold zone in this competition and there were like a huge shakeup in the end of the competition people were like overfitting to public lb and then i shared like a, a cross validation strategy in this competition and i used the same like and and with that i used like an augmentation method and that was like the two things that uh, enabled me to to get gold in this competition to survive to the shake-up year after you got your uh, first gold did it feel like you knew the recipe to to like gold like did you feel confident that you could like uh, do this more times you could get four more gold medals was like after the first gold did, did competition grandmaster seem like possible to you immediately and um, no no i won't say that i think it was definitely in the because having gold medals is hard even if i i had like this solo goal like two years ago but it's hard to imagine like three goals again to i would i have to to win three goals again it will be hard and but i think it all uh started maybe after feedback one after feedback one then i feel like okay Two goals to go now, and and definitely I'm gonna work hard for for it. And yeah, I think it was like in the end, it, it was like after feedback one, I felt like yeah, I I could do it now. I could work on it. And and then they and then feedback two appeared, and then feedback three. I say oh, that's good. You're sorted by then. 
but yeah. like but, but you were 70% done i would say once it seemed like very close to you because like you had the solo goal and three goals at that point i think yeah 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 so uh this is again another silly question if i may but like i default to not having good setups where like crodoc taught me how to set up nice configs and like runs and like having bash scripts so he had this very nice approach i would start with that but i would default to jupyter notebooks eventually so how I, i'm sure you learned the discipline of it did you like spend time doing that or did it become natural to you or like did you never struggle like this ever uh i think in the beginning for me i was maybe more focused on the setup for example mm. making nice things together working with scripts and but now i feel like when whenever i approach a competition i feel like uh, do just do something really simple whatever the the tool you are using is it jupyter notebook or or something different just make something that are the, that are really really simple and then you could iterate on it if you wanted to to make a nice baseline then after you could, you could like change your code and make it nice and then iterate mm-hmm. on it but the most important thing is like when you approach the competition just try to make the simplest baseline possible and then to output the csv in the end. and when you do that then you see okay there is this step this step and this step and then you could like maybe organize your code later or something like that to 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 iterate fast on it so now my approach is like basically i i always use jupyter notebook crodoc is always saying ahmed you should not use jupyter notebook <laughs> yeah, but same it, experience yeah. <laughs> yeah but but i i, I don't know i like it so and i found that it's simple to, like to structure things on jupyter notebook so yeah okay. so uh, as a thought experiment uh, i was thinking can we look at any recent competition that's just launched and maybe you could say like what's a simple baseline you would come up with if you had the chance to look at any competition uh yeah yeah i i started looking i was like after getting the final gold medal i, I say like now I, i'm going to rest a bit i'm not going to be there gold anymore and then there are a lot of competition and and i'm like what <laughs> participate in everything now RSNA, <laughs> there is auto recommendation system so basically it's hard it's hard to to see all those competition and say no i'm going to rest a bit i'm going <laughs> everything so maybe the auto competition actually okay. recommendation system because I, i i like recommendation system as well so in this competition for example you have like uh maybe you you could go to the data section mm-hmm. scroll down a bit so here you have a training data so the goal here is like to they have tracking data of user in maybe website for example you go to shopping e-commerce website and then you you iterate or you interact with product and then maybe you will add some product to cart maybe you will order some you will click on some product and then they track actually the users in through, through like the activity on the website and and then you have this data so you have a session that identify the user and then you have events like the user add this article in the cart the user click on this article stuff like that and then what they're asking is like okay here is a new user 
And then hmm. they trunk the data. They say, okay, this is the current situation of the user. Try to predict what's the next article in which he is going to click on it. Uh, try to predict what are the next article that he's going to add to cart and what are the next article is going to order. So here for me, the baseline is trying not to use like the old training site because in, in recommendation system, usually you have like all a huge amount of data set. Maybe try mm -hmm. only to use few uh, user session and then trying to set up your baseline with, with just this this user, you know, trying to, to set up your baseline with just this few data and then try to make your feature engineering ideas and stuff like that on this um, few amount of data and then make prediction, go till the prediction uh, stage and, and submit something on Kaggle. And then after you could like uh, use more data or stuff like that, you do more feature engineering and stuff like that, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Thanks, thanks for sharing your thought process there. Yeah. Um, I, I've always been super curious about this because as you know, like I, even in the interviews, I ask like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And I, I, one thing I've learned is it's like the hardest thing to come up with a simple baseline, at least for me. Yeah, I think <laughs> some sometimes it's hard because you have like so many ideas that you wanted to try and it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to just start with this, uh, this, uh, this this idea you know because you tend to feel like i should do everything i should assemble everything and then make something for example i should do all the future engineering stage i should create all the future that i'm thinking about but this is you you, you don't know if it's gonna work out so just try the first idea the simplest ideas that you have don't try to make like a lot of future engineering just try to do simple things see by simple thing maybe not even future engineering actually use like not a lot of data just few data and try to see if your like your pipeline is good if, if actually you understand the data you have few uh, sample that you could make predictions see what it looks like your prediction and stuff like that and then you could like use more data or do more feature engineering but i i definitely agree it's, it's hard to to make simple baseline <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good to know that i'm not the only one um how how are you learning these tricks so like uh do you remember like how did you you participated in m5 you shared a lot of things there which is a feature engineering heavy competition so uh feature engineering or eda how how did you learn these tricks uh how did that I, I think it's it's all like you you have to forget about the machine learning uh, part of it you you have to think like if you have to solve this problem like in real life how are you going to do for example in the recommendation system like competition if you were the user what will like uh, push you to to click on this product or the other product what would make you like add this product to your cart and then you you started to understand really the problem and then that will give you clue for feature engineering to see okay this feature may be important for the user to add this article to, to his card so basically, I think it's it's only you just forget about the machine learning problem and focus like on the business side of it. How are you going to solve this problem? And that's gonna maybe help you to think about like futures that could like improve your model. Okay, <laughs> makes sense. Um, I, I guess it's also experience. Like once you do that enough, and then you understand the pipelines and you know how like things correlate, and then a lot of experiments. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
looking back is there a favorite competition uh where for for any reason at all any favorite competitions um i think fit, the three feedback competition was awesome i really liked them yeah and i won three gold medals so <laughs> feedback competition definitely <laughs> even if the last competition was not i, I mean it's it was the most simplest one in 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 those three feedback but i think maybe feedback two feedback two was was good and feedback one was really good yeah okay not the one where you became a grandmaster that that's not your favorite uh no i i think because i i feel like that one was more simpler like but the feedback one for example uh, there are there were so many ways to to make prediction that in feedback one I mean, it was hard. Even if you have like model prediction, then you could. There were like different ways to do things. So that maybe explained the gap between uh, teams in the leaderboard. But for example, if you look at feedback three, there were not that much gap between people because, like, in the end, there were not much innovation in it. If I could say, for example. But in feedback one, for example, we use VBF, which is like a tool for computer vision, like. And then we we apply that to NLP, so that was like think outside the box and find something that could like make the difference, like with other people in the leaderboard. Uh, VBF for the audience is weighted box fusion, and again the previous interview I mentioned, if you look uh, that in, if you watch that interview, we had a nice explanation there because you would imagine I ask a question, a stupid question, and uh, Crowdoc and Emmett had explained it there. um okay so uh, coming to feedback 3 uh i was thinking maybe i can share my screen and we can start going through the competition uh so what <clears throat> i've done here is i've loaded the dataset into h2o's hydrogen torch and i was thinking i can use this for ed and also for a baseline so i'll, I'll need your help for the baseline but um i'll i'll try to explain the competition here from what i understood there were like uh, 4000 examples of student essays with four labels uh, that you had to predict across so it was a text regression problem yeah and these uh, essays this time were uh, from elder students if i may so like it was 8 to 12th grade so not not the funny example we we've seen from feedback 1 and 2 so these are like more serious essays in some ways um so what i'll i'll do is i've loaded this dataset up already and uh, we can now create an experiment since i'm with emmed i'll i'll switch to master when i'm doing this by myself i usually use novice because i'm too scared um what, what is the difference then when you say when you select novice no it's so like so you get more options you get more, more options okay. yeah the, like this is no code uh deep learning tool so many defaults are already selected i'm sure philip and other legends have like figure that out so like for for people like me i don't worry about a lot of things in that way okay. <laughs> um so for for sake of time i think we can just run one fold and it identifies train csv test csv i think this were the six labels you had to work with and yeah. the text columns are identified correctly um should we switch to lower case uh no you should use no. it because okay. like the the model like uh, 
the Berta, they, they, they deal with it. Okay. Um, so we'll use the Berta in that case. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll switch max lane to 512. Um, which backbone would you like? Deberta uh, base yeah. or large? Deberta is the best, actually. Deberta is the key. So Deberta <laughs> base was wor working well in this competition. So Deberta base, yeah. Uh, and I think I'm not sure if uh, Philip had used gem pooling, but I'm not sure if your team did. So should we use gem pooling? Yeah, or? because yeah, we should use gem pooling. I think it's a good one. Um, and I'll set this to RMSE since that's similar to the the competition evaluation metric. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any other settings you see you want to change here? Uh, the batch size, maybe you could lower for, for us, for example, batch a small batch size were working, so maybe you should try like four batch size, like four, something like so. Uh, like uh, for, for language models, I know it's different, but I this is my favorite feature. So if you get out of memory, you enable this and the experiment restarts, so it automatically adjusts that. Adjust so usually, I just leave this on, okay. <laughs> um should we set any warm-up epochs or are you happy with the setting? Uh, you, you could try maybe 4%. Okay. Um, no, no, no. I think it's fine. It's fine. It's fine that way. Yeah. Okay. No gradient accumulation. Looks good. I'll again set the metric to RMSE and enable mixed precision training and I'll run the experiment. So uh, I'll, I'll wait for this one to finish, but uh, just to point out, so we'll look at the leaderboard briefly, but I'd run a few experiments and in under like 10 minutes, we got to 0 0.46, 0 0.47 in RMSE across four folds in average. That's very good. Um, so I'll, I'll come, I'll let this run. I, I literally, it's running right now. Uh, but uh, you, you could monitor the stuff as it happens. We'll not do that. Uh, I'll I'll start I'll start by talking about uh, the third position solution now. Let me share my screen to that. So another example that I had about the difference between feedback one and three was in feedback one you had third grade essays, and I'm sharing my screen about this funny example that someone had shared where they like literally started writing twinkle twinkle little star and all that thing in, in inside the writer, and. Instead, here you had like six <coughs> solid uh, criterion where you could like grade between. So you had, I think, uh, cohesion, syntax, vocab, how well it's phrased, grammar and conventions. Yeah. And one more challenge that I understood here was the like extreme grades were kind of rare. So one and five were not very present in the examples. Yeah. So many and people use tricks for that. Yeah, and also here, like as you could see, there are six targets that you should predict, like cohesion, grammar, and if you are using a language model like Deberta, for example, and then you are you Deberta model will give you like for each token you will have like a representation vector for each token. Like basically, if you take token is like a word, and then you will have like an output for each word, and then you will build a top ahead of. You will like maybe average like all these token uh, vector together to 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 have a representation for your text. Some people they use, for example, mean pooling or or gem pooling or CLS to get this uh, representation from the whole text. But here it's hard because 
if you should predict for grammar, you need signal in the text for grammar. If you if you you should predict uh, for cohesion, you you need to find the signal in the text which are related to cohesion, and then which are and there are six targets. So this target may may need different kind of signal in the text, and that was basically that was hard in this competition because if you do simple mean pooling, then you are using same feature representation like for the six target. And what we we saw that it, it was quite hard to to design like an, a pooling strategy that could like maybe focus for some target like getting some signal like for those targets i think that was maybe the the challenge in this competition and some targets were like easy to predict and there are some targets for example like cohesion and uh, syntax they were hard to predict okay uh, thanks thanks for clarifying that um so i'd, I'd love to ask again how did you start uh, with this competition did you use your previous pipeline or uh, how did you approach this one yeah i think this the baseline was simple to set up in this competition because in the overall competition you have like a part of the ecs with the label and then you have to find this part in the ec and you have to find the target for that part but here you only have the full text and then you predict from the full text, you predict six targets. So basically, this one was simple if you compare to feedback one or feedback two. So the baseline, basically, I use what I have like on feedback two, and then I just drop some complex stuff like searching in, in the AC, the part that I need to, to label, basically. So okay. this one was simple to, to set up here. Yeah. I see. Um... The experiment that we had kicked off, uh, it gave a RMSE of 0.5 uh, in about one minute. I think it's still running, but uh, that's that's what is the validation score at this moment. And the best I got with like a Debulta large was uh, 0.47 or 0.46. So the reason I mentioned that uh, is because we just like had that experiment run for one minute. And here, if we look at the leaderboard, uh, the metrics are slightly different. Uh, but the best score was point in the range of 0.43. So what we'll be learning is uh, how did this difference arrive and like what were the secrets here that uh, they had used in this duration? So uh, after you had the baseline going, um, there were many things shared throughout the competition and everyone was stuck in that range of like 0 0.44, 0 0.43. So yeah. how did you fight that? And like, how did you know you were improving your score? Uh, the first thing, like, it was hard because uh, this the our cross-validation strategy and the leaderboard were not aligned. Basically, we have like a model that improves CV and then that decreased the, the leaderboard. The, the leaderboard became worse. And then you are like, okay, which one should I trust? Like... I built a new model and this model making good CV, but if I see the little board, the little board is worse. And then it's difficult then to to really trust one of them, you know, trust your CV or trust the little board. But here, what we decided to do is like, okay, this is a weird situation. Maybe we could work on diverse model to be robust. And then when we blend them together, we're going to have something that is robust and then we're going to survive to the shakeup. And that was basically our plan to make diverse model, diverse architecture, diverse like 
in different backbones, stuff like that. And then when we average them together, we are sure that like we have something that would be robust to, to shake up, basically. So our idea to were like to build diverse models as much as possible and then use like a method like hill climbing that could help us to, to, to merge them together, to blend them and, and have our final prediction. So while you were experimenting, how did you think of diverse models here? Did you like think different max lanes, different pooling layers? What what was the thought process? Uh, the first thing were like to to use different data, or to do different pooling strategy. As I said, like here you have like six targets. Maybe some pooling may be adapted to some target. Maybe not for 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 over. So the idea was basically to try first different pooling strategy. And then that will make like the model basically diverse and to maybe use also um, a different model. For example, we use the Berta models are really good. The Berta v for example, was the best model for us. But we, we think that, okay, there are some uh, texts as well that have like other languages that are not English. Maybe we could try like XLM or Berta that are multi-language. And, and then we tried that one. and. And this model doesn't support like uh, more than 512 tokens. So you have to do sliding windows method to use the full text. And then that makes diverse from the Berta model because like now you are only doing pooling on 512 tokens and, and then you are using sliding windows, stuff like that. So that makes this model diverse from, from uh, the Berta model. And also we think about doing like using pre-training weight or trying method like MLM uh, for some model and not from other models, but in the end, MLM was not good for us. Or pre-training weight from feedback one on feedback two were, weren't good for us. So in the end, we just dropped those models, and and our final models were like diverse in terms of backbones, model backbones, in terms of pooling strategies, and also, uh, yeah, I think that was it basically. Okay. I'll share my screen to show your models, but uh, Chris had in his write-up shown all the backbones and the CV scores along with the weights you had come up with. Yeah. So it was a total of 24 models that 24. worked in the final ensemble. Yeah. And here you could see as well, like we have TensorFlow models that are completely different because the other one are, are trained on, with PyTorch and this Deberta Vitribase uh, is TensorFlow model and it's, yeah. And also we use rapid SVR. That's that's also different, like from, yeah. Hmm. That's also different from from the Berta model. So that makes diversity for us. Yeah. So, uh, uh, is the CV score an average of all the? Were you using K fold grouped K fold here? Here we were using stratified um, stratified K fold. Okay. Uh, we use five fold. And this was like the, the average TV score. And the average TV score, yeah, it was this one. This was like our best model or like the Berta V3 large, yeah. Okay, that, that makes sense. <clears throat> and this was like without pseudo labeling. What happened to us is like we we had like, in the end, we had two strategies for our final submission. We had like a, a one with... Um, which were basically trained in the competition data and another one uh, that were like an ensemble of pseudo-label model. 
And this ensemble of pseudo labor model, we have like 042 CV score. And that was like, I, I don't think like another team has reached that CV score on, on, in this competition. And it was like we were, if this CV score is really true, and then definitely maybe we're going to finish top, we're going to finish first in the competition because the CV score were really, really good. Having like 042 as CV score, it, it was really good. So basically what's happened is like Pseudolabel, we have a leak on our Pseudolabel and we didn't figure out it until the end of the competition. We, we don't know what happened with Pseudolabel. So finally, our final ensemble that was like without Pseudolabel model and has like CV score 0447, something like 0442. Yeah. So uh, what was the issue there? Sorry if I don't understand. There was a leakage between the feedback one and three. Uh, there were like some duplicated texts, issues between feedback one and feedback three, but we managed actually to remove those duplicated. So that that wasn't that that wasn't why they were leaked. I suspect maybe you know when you are doing pseudo labels, all your pseudo labels uh, predictions should have like been generating from the same cross validation split. And what we suspect is like maybe we train in the earlier of the competition, maybe in the beginning of the competition, we had like different CV strategy and in the end we switch it. So maybe we have like different CV and then when you generate pseudo label from different CV, it's, it's kind of brings some, some leak between them. And mm -hmm. I, I guess that was maybe uh, the case with our pseudo labels model. Because we, we saw that over team, like top team, for example, the first place and second place, they had like pseudo labels in their ensemble. So it was basically working for them. And, and I guess maybe if we uh, figure out what was the problem with pseudo label, maybe it's going to boost our leaderboard score. You could have won the competition maybe if you maybe. had like a few more days. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. Because even now we didn't figure out what was the problem since we, we win gold medal. So. <laughs> yeah um, so did, did you use pre-training at all so I know Philip in his solution had like so what he did was he sorry he pre-trained on the older feedback and then like uh, fine-tuned it on the new feedback competition did, did you try something like that yeah we tried that with our pseudo label model actually we, uh, we when we make prediction and feedback one and then we train our pseudo label model and then we use this weight to fine tune on this competition data. And what was surprising and what happened is like, when we train the pseudo label model, we have good CV. Let's say for example, we have like 043 in CV. And then when we fine tune in this competition uh, data, then the, the CV score became worse. And we mm -hmm. are like, how is that possible that the same weight is giving CV 043, and then when you fine tune it, then you get 044, and that was quite surprising for us. And in the end, we didn't use it in our final submission. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks. Thanks for answering that. Um, okay. I, I think we can cover your solution uh, end to end. If if there's anything you want to highlight or mention in your solution, or we can just cover it uh, otherwise. Yeah, I think uh, Chris already explained it well here in our solution. Um, our magic was basically train different model, train the, as much diverse model as possible, and then use hill climbing was the magic for us. 
and mm. use hill climbing with negative weight to get like the best uh, CV score out of like all this model. I guess we we had like uh, about 50, 50 models. Um, in the end, we we were only able to to submit like twenty four among them. So basically, we could like select more models, but it wasn't like possible for us to fit them to to do inference in in the right time in Kaggle. So because like you have limited time on inference, like basically you have nine hour for prediction, and we have this fifty model. If we add model, then it's improve our CV, but we have to limit uh, in 24 because if we add more models, it wouldn't be possible to 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 submit in time. Okay, um, that makes sense. And in your uh, in the write-up, uh, Chris says that the diversity was regression heads, pooling techniques, schedulers, yeah. and backbones. Yeah, and also what works for us is all well, like giving different when computing the loss function, because like you have this six target that you are predicting, and there are some targets that are easy, basically for the model to understand. And there are some targets that were hard to predict, for example, cohesion and, and grammar that were hard target to predict. Then we, we basically uh, give more weight to those targets when we were computing our loss function. So the model- Sorry, more, more weight to harder targets. Yeah, more weight to harder targets. So. That was basically to force our model to learn those targets, to make less error in those targets, basically, because the, the, the other one was basically simple. And then we fine-tune we this weight coefficient, and then that was basically the best coefficient for, for each target for us, yeah. Okay, uh, that makes sense. And um, also and... dropouts, we didn't use dropouts. We set all dropouts to zero. I think basically that's good when you are doing regression tasks because when you, when, I mean, this really had an impact on our uh, CV score. When you set up dropout to zero, then you have like best CV score. Okay. Uh, it's, do, do you have any intuition of why that is helpful for, for this case? Uh, dropout? Dropout because you're setting it to zero, right? Usually, yeah, I, 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 think... I might be wrong. Transformers, transformers I... like dropout, no? Yeah, there are a lot of dropouts, and I, I, I have, I think I, I don't have good answer for, <laughs> for that. Maybe if you have asked someone like C or that are more experienced, they, they would maybe give good answer. But I, for me, it was just about experiment because, like in feedback two, we experimented it, and it was working really really well for us and then in feedback tree i tried with and without it and it was basically really good without dropouts yeah but there, yeah, I because... think there, there may be some explanation to it yeah yeah I, I remember him mentioning as well when i was like uh testing this this competition data set he said you should you should turn off dropout yeah. so i'm trying to figure out what's the reason behind that yeah um, okay um so continuing further, any other things you want to highlight from your solution? Uh, also in our solution, what's really boost our score is like we were training with MaxLand 2048. Mm -hmm. And when doing inference, we, we only use like six, 640 tokens. So that was basically boosting our CV score. We, we tried it on, on CV with 
different models and it's always improved when we do inference only using like 640. It always boosts our CV score. It was the case basically when we do that, we see the behavior on all target, on all the six target. For example, 248 was basically good for all target, but when we use like 640 and then all target like CV score really become good, only like grammar target became a little bit worse, you know. But in the end, we used like 640 as a max length for inference. Okay, uh, that makes sense. Um, if we've already talked about uh, pseudo labeling, so any any other things? Yeah, we might have missed. And also, we we tried like uh, different things to. To, to search for signal in the, in the text. As I said, you have six targets. These six targets may need different signal from the from the ACs. And then we tried ideas like doing pooling two times, like maybe pay more attention to, to some tokens and then, uh, and then average them in the end. So we tried a different strategy like doing pooling two times where we basically, we focus on each word and we do like an attention pooling there and then af after that we average like this pooling amount all the words that are in the ACS yeah. okay uh, that makes sense thanks thanks for the overview to your solution um again uh the the team has also published the github repo and inference kernel so you can find the links in the description or if you're listening to the audio you can find it in the show notes um Wrapping up, Amit, what's what's next for you? Will you compete more? Are you excited to compete more? I, I do think you've conquered Kaggle. I, will you move on to other challenges? I feel like maybe I need more social life now. <laughs> <laughs> that was the case in the end of the competition when I became GM. I feel like now I need to do more social life because I have spent like a couple of months working in this competition. But, and then when I see on Kaggle again, there are a lot of competition <laughs> coming up, auto recommendation system, RSNA. You know, I feel like I should join this competition. Maybe I should just like forget about Kaplan the next month and, and rest a bit and after that come back again. But it's hard, you know. I think I'm going to join a competition again. <laughs> was, was all the sacrifice worth it? looking back like you mentioned you, you you're joking about it i'm sure there's some truth to it you sacrifice socializing you sacrifice i'm sure many other things would you do it again <laughs> looking back uh looking back will, will i do it again you say the, the like hard work and struggles that you put in while while becoming like working your way towards a grandmaster title yeah i think i i, I feel it's good actually i I would do it again for sure because Kaggle is you learn a lot with the community. I think a lot of people are sharing good stuff on Kaggle. You learn a lot and you just maybe need to find like the right balance between Kaggle and maybe your social life because it's really become like you become addicted to it really quickly, you know, and maybe you have to let the computer work more than you you will spend time on it, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's the maybe that should be my next challenge. Like find the right balance between Kaggle and and other things in my life. Okay. Um, final question. This is the same question I ask every time. Uh, your best advice to someone just starting out in the journey. Uh, I think I think when you start, it's 
it's hard to team up with people on Kaggle because my first recommendation would like be to team up with someone that are experiments and and you would see how they work actually and then it will inspire you but that's hard when you are starting Kaggle to find someone that would do that with you and but my my recommendation would be like to find a competition and a topic that's that's really interesting for you maybe that would make you like motiv motivated among like the whole time of the competition you would stay there you will try your idea because you like the competition you like the data stuff like that and then in the end of the competition you will learn a lot from people because top team they are going to share the solution you're going to see what you missed throughout the competition and that's definitely i think it's exciting because you would say okay i missed that part i missed that part and then you will learn from them and then yeah and there are some people for example uh, that were able to to begin a Kaggle competition grandmaster i think in nine months or something like that there are this uh either i don't know hyd is their username head as you said <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah basically so it's possible the, the only thing is like you you have to start it you have to do it you have to be disciplined you have to do it and and basically that's if you if you have told me like three years ago that i will become a Kaggle competition grandmaster i, I basically won't say that because i want i because I wasn't spending that much time on it. I was just having it like just for, I, I still have fun for it, but at that time it was just trying something, it doesn't work and then I don't care, I leave the competition. But now it's 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 a bit different. I It's it's like passion, I, I, I love to do it. So. Hmm. so just start it, just start doing it and then you will love, yeah, definitely. That's, that's awesome uh, advice to wrap up on. I'll again mention your Kaggle profile. Uh, your Kaggle username is emmedprof, A-M-E-D-P-R-O-F. And you can find his LinkedIn profile and also Twitter links on there. Uh, you can keep up with his work on all platforms. Any other uh, places you want to mention? No, basically I'm using those platforms. Okay. Um, one quick thing I wanted to share. So I reran the experiment in the meantime. And I was curious to see, like, uh, where did I mess up? So we we set the, in the hydrogen torch experiment, uh, we set it as K-fold. And then I switched to group K-fold, which I think performs better in, in validation. So that gave me a score of 0.48. Our original experiment got into RMSE of 0.5 in, like, five minutes. <laughs> and then I switched to devote a large as well for this one. Mm. Um yeah, so now we know the difference between your approach and one model that we got in about 10 minutes. Uh, okay, uh, I, I I didn't congratulate you because I've written so many times across all media that I didn't want to repeat myself. But congrats again on this impossible achievement, which is like one of the hardest things to do on Kaggle. And uh, for the audience, please find all the links I mentioned in the description. Thanks again for joining me. Thank <laughs> you.